This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. Welcome to Jumping Bomb Audio. Jumping Bomb Audio Podcast, all about Joshi Pro Wrestling. I'm Aaron, and I am joined by uh, a hurting Indiana fan. It's Taylor. Yes, hurting, but still enjoying uh, March Madness. The start of March Madness this week, I've had I've been double screening all week, so I've had basketball on one screen and Joshi Wrestling uh, <laughs> on another. Uh, really, really, really putting down the content, as they say. Uh, getting the content into my brain, so it's been a uh, it's been a fun and good week. Lots lots going on. I have not really watched any of it. I turned on. Okay, so as you probably know, Taylor, Kentucky, the winningest basketball program of all time. Uh, but I think if Kansas wins the title, they would pass Kentucky because Kentucky won nine games this year. Uh, so I turned on the Kansas game because they were losing. Um, and uh, fulfilled a theory of mine that nothing good can happen in my life. Uh, and so, like, all the teams I hated lost, but I didn't watch, and then I turned on the Kansas game, and they came back and won. So, not watching anymore. I I often get that feeling where something – I won't be watching something. It's happening the way I hope it will happen, so I go, oh, this is great. Uh, either my team is winning or a team I don't like is losing, and the minute I turn it on – it switches and I, it's like um, the what's that scientific theory where if you look at something, it changes. Uh, I don't know what it is. Uh, I'm not a scientist, but there's a theory that if you look at something, it changes the state of it. And that's my theory is that whenever I turn on uh, a game that I want one result in the minute I start looking at it, the result changes to what I don't want. Um, but I have enjoyed watching because usually um, I would be in the office working um, during March Madness. And I work in an office that is um, not a lot of fans of March Madness work there. Uh, so people don't really talk about it. It's not watched. It's not one of those offices where like it's on a big screen and people watch it together. Um, so I don't often get the opportunity to watch a lot of games, and I've gotten the opportunity this year because I'm working from home. So it has been uh, a lot of fun to really. I've I think I've seen almost every game that has uh, that has aired. What I really respect about us, Taylor, is we were talking about basketball before we hit record. I said I'm not sure our listeners really care about basketball, and then we did five minutes on it anyway. So you just well, you have to respect you know, it. Yeah. You know, that's what's happening. You asked me how I am, and I told you that's what I've been doing this week, you know, watching stardom and uh, stardom and uh, Baylor basketball. <laughs> the, the two things closest to God. Two um, great tastes that go great together. 
<laughs> is it uh, how's the weather in in New York City this week? Um, it hasn't been bad. It's been uh, on the chilly side, although I think today it's like 50 in the 50s um, somewhat. So it's sort of we're moving into uh, spring weather, uh, but we haven't quite gotten there. We've had a couple days recently that have been in the 30s and 40s. Um, but pretty soon it will pretty soon it will be the uh, few weeks of time in New York where it's not insanely cold or incredibly brutally hot uh where it's very nice to walk outside um so i'm looking forward i'm looking forward to that very short three-week window of time yeah it's uh it's almost 70 here today so it's very nice uh, i sat out in the yard for a little bit before we recorded and it really improved my mood um but yeah we, sim- we have a similar thing in kentucky where it's like spring is about i don't know three weeks long Fall is about three weeks long, and the rest of the time is summer and winter. So, uh, yes, I'm I'm looking forward, but you know it's been so cold that I don't mind if it's if it's really hot. So anyway, basketball talk and weather talk. That's how we got this kicked off. Uh, make sure you're following us on Twitter at JBomb Audio. I'm at Aaron Like the Car. Taylor's at Tay Mambo. You can subscribe to the show by just searching Jumping Bomb Audio on the podcast app of your choice. Hitting subscribe. Get these episodes as soon as they come out. Uh, generally every other Monday. I mean, I think that's how we've done it. Uh, maybe one episode came out on a Tuesday, I think. But other than that, they all come out on Mondays. Uh, if you use the Apple Podcast app, please give us a five-star rating and a review. And if you'd like to donate to the show, you can do so by going to redcircle.com slash shows slash jumping dash bomb dash audio. Taylor, we, I think, are going to have uh, a sponsor soon. Yes, that is the uh, the, the rumble. Say what it is. We don't want to get free yes, advertising. Yes, we're, they're not our sponsor yet. Uh, it's not, <laughs> I guess the you know not officially pen to paper yet. So we don't want to say it. But yes, it it is looking likely. Uh, so I'm looking forward to that. I've never done a uh, never never done a podcast with an ad on it before. So that oh. that will be a first for me. Well, maybe I'll. I'll uh, slough the uh, the ad read off onto you. <laughs> <laughs> I'll find a great yeah. se- I'll find a great segue. We'll be talking about you know actress girls, and I'll <laughs> I'll f- I'll figure out a great segue. You won't even see it coming. I look forward to it. Okay, here's what we're gonna do on this show. Well, the major things, obviously, if you're a normal listener, a regular listener, you know, uh, kind of the the broad outlines of our shows. Uh, the main show that we're going to talk about to uh, dive into is the seedling show from Corican Hall from March 17th uh, with the Get a Dream tournament on it uh, and the big match for the vacant Beyond the Sea title. Uh, we'll get into, of course, in our Spark Notes segment, the other stuff that's been going on. And uh, our big preview will be of the April 4th Yokohama Cinderella Stardom show. And we've also uh, solicited questions from our listeners. So we've got a decent amount of questions here that we'll get into at the end of the show. But let's get it started with the Seedling Show from Corican Hall, March 17th. Uh, Taylor, overall, uh, your thoughts on this show, your big takeaways. Um, I thought it was a fun enough show. Um, you know, I think it was hurt by some circumstances of uh, Yoshiko's injury. Obviously, she was not on the show. Um, there's still this state of emergency in, uh, Japan, I think for at least a little while longer. Um, 
you know, it was a weekday show, so there it, there wasn't a huge crowd there. It was uh, 325 people total. But I think um, overall, you know, it was a quick show. Nothing, really nothing overstayed its welcome. Uh, the longest match was only 13 um, and a half minutes long. So it was very easy breezy. I remember I opened up the file and it was like two hours on the dot. And the show didn't even really start the first in-ring match didn't even start till I think about half an hour in. Um, so really a very quick show, but I think it was, you know, a fun show, not seedlings, you know, best show that they've ever had, but you know, easy to get through. And, and for me had one really strong match with, I think, which I think really helped uh, sort of lift the whole show. Yeah, it was definitely, definitely an easy watch. I mean, as you said, a uh, very short runtime, uh, and you know, you in these uh, the the tag tournament matches uh, until the final, they were all ten minute time limit, so uh, they all went by pretty quickly. Everything went pretty fast as far as like the pace inside of the matches inside the ring were all pretty fast. So yeah, it's definitely a, an easy, enjoyable show to watch. I had a slightly different take on the match. I think you're talking about, but we'll get into that. Uh, but let's just start. From the very first match in the Get a Dream tournament, first round, uh, we kicked it off with Hiroyo Matsumoto and Itsuki Aoki versus Ayame Sasumura and Kaho Kobayashi. And this went to a time limit draw, something we are very fond of here on, <laughs> on Jumping Bomb Audio. Yeah, you know, I didn't mind the time limit draw here. I think it was used, you know, obviously they were tight on time because um, of the as I mentioned, because of the state of emergency. So I don't mind this. It actually sort of caught me off surprise when the time limit draw happened because I had forgotten that the time limit for these opening matches was 10 minutes. Um, you know, I don't really have too much to say about it. I thought it was a fine um, opening match, but nothing really stood out to me um, all that strongly. Um, so overall, I think fine. I was more sort of interested in the fact that, you know, with the time limit draw that um, Makoto and um, Rico Kaiju went through. No, no, no. Um, Hanori Hana and Rico Kawahata went through to the finals. So a little bit of uh, friendly booking there to get, you know, sort of a younger team into the finals, which I thought was a, was a good decision. I actually, I really enjoyed this match a lot. Um, Kaho Kobayashi, of course, pretty much always stands out, but I just loved how she really carried this match early on. Lots of energy. Her athleticism was on display. Then you had uh, Hiroyo come in toward the end and pick it up with similar energy, but like in a more physical way. So it gave a real, they were able to include a lot in these 10 minutes. I thought like from a, from a perspective of like doing different things. Uh, But it's like, it's hard to keep a fast pace keep your energy high, but also um, keep it fresh and interesting for, for the whole time. And I thought they did a great job of that uh, and the way that they used Kobayashi early in the match, Matsumoto late in the match. Uh, so I just really loved it. I also, I mean, I hadn't been thinking about it, but when I heard, you know, luckily from my very brilliant uh, Japanese learning, when she, when the announcer said, eat poon, I knew what was going on. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, that's a joke. Um, yeah, but I, I mean, I like this a lot more than you did, I believe. That's okay. 
Uh, the next Get a Dream tournament first round match, uh, Chikayo Nagashima and Tsukushi Haruka defeated Arisa Nakajima and Nanai Takahashi. And we had uh, Tsukushi pin Nanai, which I thought was uh, a big deal. Yeah, an interesting match. You know, it was contested under um, high-speed rules, which I think was a good sort of wrinkle to give uh, the high-speed team an advantage against the, you know, current tag champions. Um, And I thought it was – I thought this was a really fun match. I thought all of the high-speed, as we'll talk about shortly, I thought all the high-speed teams, high-speed goon matches were fun. Um, Obviously, Sakushi – you know, one of my favorites, I think she's really great, really brings the energy in all her matches and is exactly the type of uh, perfect person for this sort of situation where you're doing these matches and they got to be fast and they got to have energy and you got to get everything in. Um, so I, uh, I really enjoyed it. And I was uh, a little bit surprised uh, by the result too, which, which I think was fun. So I overall thought this was a really great match. Well, you know, I don't enjoy these matches as much as you do. Uh, which is fine. It definitely was a, a good way to mix things up a little bit. I thought that was one of the downfalls of the tournament in that it's kind of hard to do a lot of different stuff in 10-minute matches, but I thought they all were kind of worked in a pretty similar style. And I think that made it, you know, by the time you get to the final match, you're like, okay. now it was nice, at least in the in the finals, you had a new team that we hadn't seen yet. But... um other than that, you're watching Nagashima and Tsukushi wrestle three times and wrestle a pretty similar style. So I think that hurt the, the tournament aspect of the show a little bit. Yeah, I think there were – I think I sort of got more invested in the sort of the storyline of, of, for example, in this match, you know, they were doing the high-speed rules. They got this advantage uh, to help them beat the team. Then in the next match – um, that they had against Makoto and, and Riko Kaiju, you know, uh, Sakushi comes out at the beginning and says, oh, this should be under high-speed rules. And they go, nope, and it's not under high-speed rules. And to me, at that point, I thought, okay, so this is the way to uh, give this team a loss because they could say, well, we're a high-speed team and it wasn't under high-speed rules. Um, and that's why we lost. But then, of course, they won, which was really surprising. So I... I feel like I was sort of more invested in the sort of story, the the sort of overarching story of this team, you know, beating the champions in their own type of match, then being forced into a regular match, still winning um, and getting to the finals. So I I can see that. Um, And I guess the other thing was, as we said, none of these matches were all that long. It isn't like they were having multiple, you know, 20, if, if they were multiple 20 minute matches that all felt the same, I think that would be a little different. Uh, but these were pretty quick, especially that third match, which was only less than seven minutes long. So, you know, I think I was a little higher on it than, than you were. Yeah. And I mean, I'm just being nitpicky. It wasn't like, oh, God, this show is awful or whatever. It was a good show. It was just if I was thinking of ways to have made it better, uh, you know, that's probably that is one way I could have thought of it. But, yeah, as you mentioned, uh, Nagashima and Tsukushi defeated Makoto and Riko Kaiju. Tsukushi pinned uh, Riko. So Tsukushi has both the pinfalls so far. Do you have anything else to say about, about that match? No, that's all. As I said, it was, it was pretty short, um, so not too much to say about it. And then they uh, finally get a brief respite 
the Nagash Matsukushi team to rest up before the finals. And we had the uh, match for the Beyond the Sea, the vacant Beyond the Sea title, of course, as Taylor mentioned earlier, Yoshiko injured out for a while. So uh, they had to vacate the title and uh, the match to decide the new champion uh, was contested between Asuka and Rina Yamashita. And in another pretty short match, uh, Asuka gets the win and is your new Beyond the Sea champion. Yeah, I thought this was a really great match. Uh, I really enjoyed it. Obviously, not too long. It was only 1330. Uh, so not really an epic, uh, an epic encounter, but I thought it was really strong. One thing that really stood out to me um, in this match was obviously we've talked about week in and week out, you know, how good Asuka is. Um, talked a lot about her offense, but I thought that she really um, bumped really well for uh, Rena in this match. Uh, she took one early. I don't even remember what move it was on, but then she took a clothesline or a lariat late in the match um, and sort of flipped around that looked really, really good. Um, so, you know, really well-rounded. Um, we talk about Asuka getting better all the time, and I think that's another aspect um, of her game that is continuing to improve her ability to make her opponent look good as well. Um, so really a match I really enjoyed. I was enjoying it. They had those um, the, headbutt, the headbutt spots at the end, which really sort of bumped it up um, uh, another notch for me. So overall, I thought it was a really great match, super fun, didn't overstay its welcome. I went for... Uh, four and a quarter stars. So I really enjoyed it. I think, it, I mean, it's just a me thing about this match. I thought it was a very good match. I just kind of, and this wasn't that long, so, you know, it didn't stick around uh, too long to make me uh, dislike it for sure. But I've just kind of fallen out of love with these, like, 50-50 back and forth, like, go to war matches i've just been in a mood i guess where i want some like longer heat segments or something <laughs> you know uh, more than just like uh hit my big move you hit your big move and let's just keep doing that until one of us wins which is a a fine thing and uh, sometimes it really fits the story of the match uh but that's i mean that's really all my criticism of the matches they were both uh great i love oscar's fake dive you know where she faints diving but uh flips back into the middle of the ring when she came up though i speaking of basketball talk i thought she was gonna do the antoine walker shimmy and i was pretty disappointed <laughs> that she didn't you know antoine walker is very uh very over in in japan so i i'm surprised that that didn't happen. yeah i mean he was really a cultural icon in japan so i just I couldn't decide. I mean, frankly, I just thought the Antoine Walker thing would pop you, but I couldn't decide between whether she was going to do the Antoine Walker shimmy or uh, the Bernie dance. Are you familiar with the Bernie? What is the Bernie? No, what is the Bernie dance? I I well, might be familiar with it, but maybe not by the name the Bernie dance. Well, it's for it's uh, from Weekend at Bernie's. Oh no, I've never seen Weekend at Bernie's. So um... okay, well you ha you don't have to have seen Weekend at Bernie's, but there was a popular. I don't know if it was popular. There was a rap song. Ah, God, it must have. It might have been ten years ago at this point. Um, and I think it's called "Do It Like Bernie." Um, "Moving Like Bernie" is the name of the song. Okay, do you know the idea of Weekend at Bernie's? 
Yeah, it's that they have the the dead guy in the wheelchair that they pretend he's not dead, right? They yeah, they're, they're pretend he's alive. Right. Yes, they're pretending Bernie is alive. So the dance is like, well, there's a there's a scene in the movie where he like kind of dances, and so mm-hmm. the dance is like, you know, imagine if you were dead but dancing. <laughs> anyway, um, that's all. Those are my thoughts on the match. <laughs> Good, good cap, good cap of that match recap. <laughs> That's all. Was uh, was this new gear for Oscar? I think it was. I haven't seen the. I think at least parts of it were old gear. I think the the sort of I don't know how to describe it. The the top part of it may have been new, but it may have been just new stuff over other stuff she usually wears, but I I don't think I've seen it before. Um, I don't know it, if it is 100% new, if she's worn it anywhere else, but it's it was the first time I had seen it. I like gear. I'm a gear guy. And uh, I was like, oh, cool, cool new gear from Asuka. Asuka's so cool. That's like my favorite thing about her. She just comes off as very cool. Yeah, and for a big, uh, you know, for a big match for the title that she won, you know, Good to, you know, get a little gear boost, uh, make it feel like a big deal. For sure. Um, yeah, so Asuka's your new Beyond the Sea champion. Good move, I think. And it presumably gives us an Asuka-Yoshiko match down the uh, in the future. I mean, yeah, you would you would think that that would be the first match that they... Well, you know, maybe not the very first match, but one of the first matches they do when, when Yoshiko comes back. Um, would be that match. So yeah, that that would be great. And of course, she's got other, you know, she can go uh, back up against uh, Arisa. They have that good match um, back in June uh, of last year. That match was really strong. So they can run that back again, uh, maybe to get Asuka, you know, a victory or two before, you know, if she drops it back to Yoshiko when Yoshiko returns, you know, give her one or two uh, wins to make her look good. Um, and that could be one of them. So looking forward to it, you know, as I mentioned on this show, we're big fans of Oscar. So Oscar doing well is it will make us happy. And I don't think they've had a singles match before Oscar and Yoshiko. So um, I would, would be... have to look. Well, I don't I've recall one on... off the top of my head. I've pulled it up on cage match. I found uh, a three way with Oscar. Arisa and Yoshiko. And they certainly have been in tag matches against each other. Um, but I don't think I don't think they've had a singles match against each other. So that would there be very cool. that could that could be building to a, you know, a big yeah. match that hopefully they could get some you know, they had three twenty-five for this show. It was a weekday show with the state of emergency and no Yoshiko. You know, it was a little disappointing. You would hope that they would have more people. Um, you know, but hopefully they'll be able to build some momentum because I think they're doing a lot of really great stuff. You know, this show wasn't a, you know, all time great show, but I think it was really fun. And I think they've established a lot of, you know, personalities, not only challenging for titles, but also sort of up and down the card. You have sort of these, you know, groupings of people, you know, moving around, switching. You had Rico Kaiju going into the selfish strawberries and things like that. 
So I think it's a fun promotion that has a lot of momentum behind it booking-wise. Um, it's just the question of getting people uh, into the buildings to uh, see the shows. How are Okay, so they're running a lot of these shows on Seedling Live, right? So yeah. is that also the only way that people can watch these in Japan? Um, they may also airing. They may be. I don't know if any of them are airing because I know the, the way it used to be is mainly that they were airing the shows on, um, either Nico or they were airing on Samurai. Like the bigger shows would air on Samurai, um, and get video, you know, their Corican halls and things like that. I mean, it may be a thing. I don't think they've been on Nico recently unless i've missed it and i don't know that they've been on i think they've been on samurai maybe once recently um but it may be a thing where they're doing this and they're you know the monetarily maybe they're seeing all the you know money themselves or they're getting more a portion of the money so it's more worth to them to air the shows there as well as being able to air more of the shows because I know in the past, even when they were airing on Nico or uh, Samurai, there would be some shows that just wouldn't, you know, make air. You, it was just a show where you're like, "Whoa, we hope this one goes on Nico or Samurai," and sometimes it it didn't happen. You know, it was usually sort of the smaller shows that they ran. But I think Seedling Live um, is a very easy system to use. It's very easy to log on, find what you need, pay you know, internationally, which has been uh, an issue with some other streaming services. So, you know, I'm all for it. It enables us to see. I don't think we've missed a seedling show uh, in quite a while. So I'm more than happy for them uh, to keep running on seedling live. I, I was just wondering if it's making it slightly less accessible to their fans. And so if that affects their, their attendance in any way, but no idea really, obviously. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, and I don't know how they're doing. I mean, I know they've they've done some outreach, um, you know, based on Yoshiko being on TikTok. I think they had a promotion at one show a couple of months ago that was, you know, I think younger people under eighteen or something got in for for free, or you know, you could bring a friend or something like that. So they're they're clearly trying to reach out to that sort of. Um, market those sort of people, I think younger fans as opposed to sort of older, you know, longtime Joshi fans, uh, which may, it may take longer to get those people interested, to get those people watching just based on, you know, following someone on TikTok, you know. For sure. Yeah, it's a lot easier to watch a TikTok than it is to go out to Corquin Hall or whatever. Okay, the main event, the Get a Dream Tournament final match. Uh, Honori Hana and Riko Kawahata win the tournament by defeating Chikayo Nagashima and Tsukushi Haruka. And as I flip over to my notes, uh, Honori got the pin. Uh, she rolled up Tsukushi. Yeah, big uh, win for the young team here. Um, you know, I like this match. I sort of like the grouping of um, Riko Kawahata and Honori Hana and uh, Yumiko Hoda. I think it's sort of a fun um, team. Interesting, not like um, a lot of the other things going on in Seedling. Big win for Honori Hana as we continue to sort of see how these rookies 
these first seedling rookies will be handled in terms of their positioning on the card. You know, for Hanori Hana, it's now been uh, about 15 months or so. Now, of course, seedling didn't run for a number of those months because of the COVID stuff. But, you know, we're getting into, you know, the era where she may start getting pushed. She may start, you know, getting these sort of big featured wins, you know, a win in the main event in a tournament um, on a show. So, and I really like, I'm really happy that they've brought in uh, Riko Kawahata. I think she's really great. I think she fits really well with the promotion. I hope she sticks around um, whether they end up, you know, just bringing her in sort of as a, you know, guest spot, or if possibly they sign her to a contract and she becomes another um, member of the roster, we'll see. Um, But yeah, I really liked it, thought it was fun um, and a good cap to the uh, tournament. Yeah, I thought Kawahata really stood out in the match. Uh, She was very good, enjoyed her a lot, but my probably my favorite moment of the match was uh Tsukushi had Onorihana in the ropes and like you know did the thing where you like drop kick the person through the ropes but she missed like barely hit her so then she just turned around and slapped Onorihana instead <laughs> uh really cracked me up so that means I enjoyed it if you make me really laugh at one point in a match then I'm probably going to like your match basically so that's the key is Make Aaron laugh. Yeah, do something <laughs> really goofy that just like cracks me up. I'm gonna either that or like you know put each other's lives at risk. Those, those are the two things that I really like in wrestling. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that was the seedling March 17 show. Any other thoughts uh, before we move on to Spark Notes? No, fun show. Another good show for seedling, and um, yeah. All right, well, what's been going on elsewhere around the Joshi world? So Stardom has had um, a a few shows. They had a few shows this weekend. Those shows aren't up uh, yet on Stardom World, so I haven't seen any of those. They had the Corican Hall show, which had just happened um, when we uh, taped our last episode, so we hadn't seen it. I watched it all. Um, That, the 313, the 314 uh, shows mostly uh, set up for um, the big 4-4 Yokohama show. Uh, Himika and Mika defending their tag titles against Mina Shirakawa and Sayaka Nagi, and the um, artist match on the Korokin. Really, the two big the title matches um, with both uh, champions retaining. Uh, so yeah, it was largely. You know, nothing really huge happening, but a lot of setup. You know, they set up this Oedo Tai Stars 5-on-5 elimination match. This is all stuff we'll talk about um, in the preview coming up for the 4-4 show. So, you know, as I said, largely uh, just setup there happening there. This feels like a good time to tell the story, Taylor. Uh, I hate to tell too many of these stories, but it's funny. So, uh, as you know, studying Japanese... And uh, my my teacher has lately decided that uh, a good way for me to like learn or to work on listening is she wants me to like, did I talk about this last time? Pick out promos from Joshi shows. So we didn't talk about it, but you messaged me and you said, what are good? Oh, yeah. 
what are good okay. promos for me to um, use for this studying exercise? Right. Well, she had, so however many lessons ago, she picked out, she found a video on YouTube that was like building up to the uh, Tom Julia match. And so there was a promo from like after the tag match where Tom got the, got the pinfall, you know? And so she's like, Oh, let's listen to this, you know? And we went through it. But anyway, so I was, they're harder to come across than you think. Cause it's like, well, I can't pick one off stardom world because then I've got to like explain how to log into this website and like how to find this match, you know? Uh, so I just found one on YouTube. I just, it was the one from after the Mayu Yoshiko match, but the, the punchline here is we're like going through Mayu's part of this promo and my teacher is like, uh, she's like, wow, really surprised this uh, Mayu, uh, her, the level of Japanese she uses is like an elementary to middle school level. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so that was very funny. I thought, uh, she would just like leave out verbs sometime, like do sentences with no verbs. <laughs> you just kind of have to guess what she was getting at. Uh, or like a funny thing was she pretty much always speaks like, you know, very casually, which is, uh, my understanding is that would be normal, but she like randomly threw in this apparently insanely formal, uh, word for, uh, today which you would normally just say ko but she said honjitsu which is apparently like the most formal possible version of the word just thrown in among all her very casual speech so very funny yes i sent did you so i'm assuming you didn't end up i i sent you that uh, all japan uh, women's training um video i'm assuming you didn't use that one well i've i've been using at my teacher's suggestion post-match promos because the wrestlers are very tired so they speak more slowly <laughs> so it's easier for me to hear and listen to i see well and my my struggle was even on stardom world if you find some of these promos they're all subtitled so unless you're going to sort of yeah. block the bottom of the screen you know, right. they're already yes. sort of written out. And I did find a video, I think, as I was looking and thinking after you messaged me, I found one of All Japan promos, but they were also subtitled. So I was like, well, I don't want to huh. send this to you with them already subtitled because that's sort of what you're trying to do. And that would defeat the purpose to have the English sitting right there. Um, well, so I, I mean, them to you. Somewhat, yes, but I'm also like some of the Japanese. I don't know, you know, the the words they're using or whatever, and so right, kind of learning things. But it's really more of basically. I think you know we've been doing this for about nine months, and I think she's just thinking, well, for the the reasons I want to learn Japanese are not like maybe I don't need a, as much of the formal stuff that comes from some of these the books, you know, that you study from. So she's like, maybe it would be more useful to me to learn like. The weird shit wrestlers say, I guess. Essentially, <laughs> she's trying to get. Like, on, she's trying to get on your level. She's like, she how, is. Do I, how do I get through to this guy? Yes. How <laughs> can I possibly get him to learn anything? She also told me she's just been like, just for fun. Uh, obviously, now that she's looked up some of these videos, she's getting a lot more uh, recommendations on YouTube for like uh, Joshi videos, and she said she's just been watching some uh, just to try to have more of an idea of, of, I guess, what I'm rambling on about during our <laughs> lessons. 
the it's a real Aaron shut the fuck up challenge um, that I'm failing. But it's like we're watching this promo. And she's like, this was a very emotional speech. And I'm like, well, and so I have to tell her like the history yeah. of <laughs> Yoshiko leaving stardom and whatnot. It's like, ah, I didn't really need to tell her that I could just shut up. It would be better probably. Yes, but now anyway. she now she knows now she knows the history of uh, the last five years of Joshi of the last five years of Joshi wrestling. Yes, she does. Well, it helped a little bit because you know at things they're saying, she's like, "Oh, okay, now I see like what what the point was of this." But the the first thing was like Mayu says something about seedling, and she's like, "What is that? You know what what does that mean?" <laughs> like, ah, let me tell you. Uh, anyway, that's my, that's my little story, but, uh, carry on Taylor. Yeah. So that's it for, uh, stardom, uh, Tokyo Joshi just had a show today. I think I haven't seen it. I don't think, uh, it was not a major show uh, and it just happened. Um, Sendai girl, (laughs) Sendai girls had two, uh, very interesting shows on March 11th and March 12th. Um, as we talked about last episode, Mako Satomura returned. Uh, to Sendai Girls on the 11th. She returned. She had a singles math with, with Dash Chizako, and she beat her. Um, Mako comes back, gets that win, uh, gets her win back from, I guess, losing to Kaylee Ray in NXT UK. Um, she also won the following night in a tag match um, with Kaoru, beating Chihiro Hashimoto and Manami. On a show that had four matches and had two time limit draws in four matches. Um, so the time limit draw really is taking off in Joshi wrestling and popularity. Uh, is there a is there a big Sendai Girls defense squad out there of like how why it's good actually that Mako came back and, and beat Dasha then left? Um I don't know there is. You know, I think a lot of people I think when the in-ring stuff is good, it can sort of cover up, you know, a couple years ago, like when Sari was the, you know, won the title from uh, Chihiro during that time when she was like the biggest deal in Joshi wrestling. I think a lot of it was like, wow, Sendai Girls is great because these, you know, they're putting together these matches that are really good. And at that point, you can sort of go, the booking still back then wasn't all that strong, but you can sort of go, oh, well, um, you know, the booking's not great, but but these matches are really great, and you just watch the matches. Of course, now, you know, their, their roster is sort of thinned out. Mako's not there all the time. You know, they've had some injuries and things. And so now there's really less of the defense of, Oh well, the booking's bad. Not not even the defense, but sort of like the oh, I can watch Sendai Girls because even if the booking isn't great, I can still enjoy the matches. Now the matches aren't really, you know, lighting the Joshi world on fire, and the booking is still very confusing and not really sensical. Um, so I think it's sort of a double. But I think when people talk about this, like oh, this booking is bad, a lot of people say, well, yeah, if they could get some good matches in the ring, you know, that can sort of cover for their issues but that is happening less um also hurt by the fact you know mako wins wins the next night in a tag match and i believe i'm uh, that she went back in the next few days so she is already back in the uk already uh so winning 
and immediately leaving certainly doesn't seem to help anyone uh, except maybe Mako. I would assume that Mako would be back for the Gaia show at the end of April, um, but we will. Uh, I guess we'll have to see about that. So, sort of an odd, um, sort of an odd pair of shows for Sendai Girls um, there. In a little bit more, uh, a little bit more exciting news: Peas League and Ice Ribbon has continued. Uh, sadly, now Ishikawa has dropped out. So her remaining um, opponents have each gotten two points um, in the league. Um, A block, I believe if I have this correct, Yuki Mashiro is now in the lead in the A block with four points, uh, followed by Tsuki Aoki with three. And in the B block, Hanori Hana is in first with four points, uh, followed by Rina Shingaki with two points and Satsuko Totoro also with two points. So that continues on. Uh, sad to see Ishikawa have to drop out, um, but a fun tournament. Also, Aaron, uh, we mentioned it last time, but we hadn't seen it. The Sakushi Thekla uh, IWQ title match from um, February 23rd in Yokohama is on Nico now. I think for at least another few days it will be on Nico. I know we both watched it. I really liked it. I thought it was really good. I tweeted about it on our Twitter account. Um, a short match, but I thought they really filled it with action. I thought they both looked really good. A really good match from Thekla. Of course, a great match from uh, Sakushi. What did you think about it, Aaron? Yeah, I thought it kicked ass. I loved uh, Sakushi. I'm sorry, Thekla going uh, absolute fiend mode um, with her fiendish actions. And Takushi just getting pissed off about it and just stomping the piss out of her uh, completely out of the ring. So, I mean, you just have to love that. I also love the way, you know, they did, you know, a classic like uh, flash pin sequence where they were all real close. And then they did some uh, some more near falls leading up to the finish. But Thekla got like, I thought she did a great job of getting across that she was less and less able to kick out of things leading directly to the finish. I thought that was like a nice little uh, nuance that she really nailed. So I loved it. I uh, I went four stars on it. Yeah, I was a little bit higher. I went four and a quarter, um, but a really strong match. And I think that Ice Ribbon has done a really good job. Um, sort of, I you know, now they have IWQ, which came back, um, the Fantast Ice, which they added last year, uh, along with, you know, the Triangle Ribbon. And of course, the Ice Infinity title. And I think they've done a really good job putting these titles in positions where they're all unique, but they all get chances to shine and they all get chances to really show different parts of the roster strength. So I think they've done a really good job um, in highlighting all of these different titles, even as they've added, you know, more titles than they've had um, recently. So. Uh, definitely worth checking out over on uh, Nico proper. Um, also, another title match, which just happened yesterday, so neither of us have seen it. Uh, the Rebel and Enemy team of Maya Yukihi and Maika Ozaki defeated Satsuki Totoro and Itsuki Aoki, um, successfully defending their titles. So that is, um, that's one I, I hope to check out soon because um, sounds like a great match. I've really liked... Uh, the title reign of the Rebel and Enemy team. 
So um, that is Ice Ribbon, and we'll talk about they've got some big, um, some big stuff coming up. So we will talk about that in the <clears throat> in the preview. Uh, Diana had two uh, dojo shows in the last uh, two weeks, which was really great. On the three thirteen one, uh, Haruka Umasaki was taking on X, uh, which turned out to be a mass wrestler named Hope, um, and Hope wrestled. A lot like Miyuki Takase, and at the end of the match, the mask came off, and it was Miyuki Takase. So a little bit of luminous explodes there in the first one. And then Hope returned uh, just today for Diana's second dojo show against Madeline. Uh, But this time it was not uh, Miyuki Takase underneath the mask of Hope. Uh, It was Asuka, who had a really fun match with Madeline. Uh, Luminous also had a tag match, the second match, a Luminous tag match. So overall, I thought it was a really strong show, uh, just aired a few hours ago. So we're checking out on the Diana YouTube. Uh, Actress Girls had a show on March 17th. Saki beat me for the colors a title. That was the big news from that. Also, Actress Girls uploaded all of their February shows. Uh, to the Actress Girl streaming service, it looks at this point like they are going to upload um, a full month of shows sometime in the middle of the next month. You know, we're in the middle of March and they just uploaded February. Uh, So we're subscribing to, if you want to catch up to Actress Girls, they upload all their shows there. It's very easy to use, to sign up for. Uh, The video quality is very good. Uh, So I recommend that if you want to see some Actress Girls. If you're wondering, Taylor, I can't find that me and you have ever wrestled in the same match. Uh, yeah, that would be well. And and you uh, is just returning from her injury. So maybe uh, that maybe that possibility will arise. Oh, God, I hope so. <laughs> uh, in wave, Itsuki Aoki and Rin Katakura defeated uh, Mio Momono and Sakura Hirota. It, at a show on March 14th. Um, And then the other big news uh, from the world of Joshi, just yesterday, uh, Kaori Yonayama defeated Leon to win the Pure J title. So she is the new uh, Pure J champion. She has a defense coming up very soon, which we'll talk about in the previews for the upcoming weeks. And also Akari retained the Princess of Pro Wrestling title against Manami. So two uh, title matches on that pure J show. All right. Well, that's the stuff uh, that's been going on, but I guess it's time to talk about the stuff that's coming up over the next couple of weeks. Uh, We can kick it off with stardom. Uh, They've got a couple of, or a few shows rather heading up into the, the big April four show. They'll be at Corquin on March 26th. Uh, yeah, they've been building up this artist, artist of stardom title match with the Cosmic Angels versus Queen's Quest. And then they'll be in Osaka for day and night shows on the 28th. Uh, the day show has the high speed title with Natsupoi taking on Starlight Kid and round one of the unit tournament. And then the night show is going to have uh, the winner and losers match of the unit tournament. Yeah, and then some... we will head in. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Oh, yeah, some some interesting title. You know, I'm interested to see how that Corican 
um, does with really just the artist title as the big match there, you know, in between a, you know, they had a Corican on the 7th, you know, a big show on March 3rd, and they have a big show on April 4th. So a lot of big shows going on. We'll be interested to see um, how the crowd looks for, uh, for that one. Be careful talking about those crowd numbers. <laughs> okay. April 4th, Yokohama Cinderella. They'll be at Yokohama Budokan. Um, I'm trying to, we want to, let's start at the bottom, I guess. No, we'll start at the top. Goddess of Stardom title. The tag titles are on the line. Uh, I know there was a question about this, so I guess we'll answer it now. Uh, but yeah, Micah and Himeka defending against Julia and Shuri. What do you think about this one, Taylor? You know, I think it should be a, I think it should be a strong um, match. You know, four very talented competitors in a in a main event in a big spot. You know, interesting to see Julia um, up back up at the top of the card so quick. It certainly seemed, from my viewpoint, you know, having, you know, I didn't see the Corican at first, the three seven Corican, but all the talk was, oh, Julia. Um, you know, is sort of starting from the bottom again to prove herself. And then, of course, this match was announced, but I did see the Corican. There there wasn't really um, a lot of talk from Julia about, you know, oh, I have to prove myself. You know, a lot of her, her promo before the match was just sort of like, you know, I've had this setback and I'm going to get back out there and, you know, prove myself. So I'm not totally against, you know, her being back in the main event so quick, I think it might've been a little bit more of an interesting story uh, for her to sort of work her way back up. But this is also a roster that is, you know, they're running a lot of big shows. They ran a huge show at the beginning of March. They're running another big show in April. They have all of these Corican's that they're running and it's really a roster in terms of size and the need to have title matches and have big draws and get the crowds in where I don't know that they could afford um, to have Julia, you know, hanging around the bottom of the card for too long because it may hurt you in, you know, at a show like this in Yokohama where you're trying to draw a good size crowd. So to me, not my preference as to sort of the Julia path back to, um, the top of the mountain in stardom, but I see it from just sort of a roster construction point that they need her as a number and as one of their big, reliable um, top of the card people. Yeah. There's two different ways to look at it. Uh, On one hand, I don't think they're really nailing the whole story here of like Julia suffering this uh, big, you know, humiliating defeat i think the idea of shaving your head is supposed to be a humiliation and then having to overcome that and you know learning something new in the process in a way that uh, enables her to become champion again and be on top in a different way that she wasn't before and i'm not sure that they're telling that story at all really uh it's weirdly it's like more of the story of i mean it's important that it's also the story of Tom overcoming Julie after losing to her several times. Um, and, you know, they continue to tell that story, but they don't really seem to be telling us. And maybe we'll see it, you know, as we see Julia uh, climb back towards title contention, 
maybe we'll see, um, you know, how this has changed her or how this has changed her motivation. But that's definitely not clear in any way at this point. So I think they're struggling to uh, to thread that needle. On the other hand, as you said, um, you know, there was a question about what do we think about this main eventing the show? And it's like, look, if you you can put Julia in main events and I mean, it almost doesn't matter. You know, she's the big star and you can sell tickets, especially a title match and a, a two versus two match. You can sell tickets to see Julia. So I think it's a pretty fine way of of using her. Now, you might say, okay, but you got these two other title matches, which we'll get to, and shouldn't one of those be uh, the main event? And I think, yes, <laughs> yes, they should be. Uh, I don't know that Julia coming off of this humiliating defeat in a, a tag title match should be the main event over those other two. But clearly, Stardom and Bushiroad see Julia as their big star going forward, and they are going to do everything they can to highlight her above everyone else in this company. Well, and I think also a lot of this depends on the outcome of <clears throat> the outcome of this match. And the question is, you know, it's a different story, and I guess it's a different set of circumstances if Julia, you know, and Sherry challenge for the tag titles and let's say they lose. Then you could say, oh, that's a continuation of the story. You could say, well, Micah and Himika sort of called them out um, at one of the at one of the recent shows. And you could say, oh, she lost again because she's not in the mindset. You know, she's still affected by this, which, of course, it's a different story if Julia and Sherry win. Then the question really becomes, well, now there isn't a story because Julia, you know, I understand the tag titles are not the top titles in stardom, but there's still a title um, with someone else, Sherry, who is a fairly prominent part of this roster then the story is either not there or you've got to tell a different story where Julia has bounced back, you know, very quickly from this sort of defining defeat at one of your biggest shows that you've ever done. Um, so I will be interested to see what the outcome of the match is um, sort of from that booking perspective to see whether they are interested in telling that story of Julia sort of having to reprove herself or if that was if that really wasn't their intention and they just need her at the top of the cards and they just want to get her back in a prominent position. Yeah. I mean, I've, to me, the most likely outcome is that Julia just wins this and they just have her back in like a drawing uh, position. And, you know, now she's got a title again and they, they go about it that way. Uh, but I tend to agree with you. At least I think that's what you're saying, but that's probably not, the best way to go for like telling a satisfying pro wrestling story. Well, and it has a lot of, it has a lot of sort of similarities with the Suzu Suzuki um, story in, um, in ice ribbon. And, you know, in terms of someone who's a champion for a long time and manages to defeat, uh, manages to hold the title for a while and then loses. And then obviously Suzu didn't, you know, it was just the title but there's still the question of, oh, you've lost your title. What is the path forward for this character, for this person? And, you know, in Ice Ribbon, they've given Suzu this sort of hardcore um, match series, which is sort of, you know, a way to get some interesting matches in, but is also a way to sort of expand this character 
of, you know, she's lost and now she's going to branch out into something new to try and improve herself or try and, you know, face down demons, whatever the story would be. Whereas this, it's sort of, you know, you lost your hair. You're like, oh, I got to prove myself again. And here you are back in a title match, you know, a month later, really, at your next big show, a month and a day. Uh, later at your big show. So it's two different approaches. I much prefer the sort of story-based approach of Ice Ribbon, but we'll see what happens with the stardom stuff. And we'll have the red belt match with Utami Hayashishta defending against B. Priestley. I guess we should briefly mention that uh, B. Priestley was involved in a big angle on the New Japan um What's it called? What's the cup? New Japan, it's show? called the New Japan Cup, oh. right? <laughs> yeah, the New Japan Cup. I thought you were searching for the word show. No, I was yeah, searching the for Japan what the cup show. was. <laughs> the, yeah, the New Japan Cup. I was cup, like the New yeah. Japan, the New Japan show, the uh the something cup. Yeah. New Japan Cup final. Uh Will Ospreay I think won. I don't yeah, I don't watch New Japan, but I think won and then like turned on B Priestley, like said he didn't he didn't need anything except the IWGP heavyweight title. So he uh, gave B an os cutter and uh, yeah, that happened. So and then I guess their next big show is the same day as, as this show, right? Yeah. On the fourth. Yeah. Right. So anyway, don't know where that's going, but B Priestley uh, was involved in that. So I thought I'd mention it. Uh, B is like, just like when she was uh, the red belt champion before is just like so strongly booked. She just beats everyone. It, I don't, I mean, it's weird because if they're, I understand, and whether it's anybody's preference or not, if she had, if she's being featured on New Japan and she's walking around with your stardom title, maybe that gets more eyeballs on stardom. Like it would be hard to argue against that. But I don't know if this was a write off or if it's a ruse and she's going to come back and do something to help Osprey win. Uh, the title match, uh, but um, I don't know. It feels like, I don't know. I wouldn't be surprised if she wins, basically. It seems weird because Utami's like just gotten this big win. She's uh, Her title reign is just kind of starting to come into come into its own. Um, so I, de- I definitely would not have her lose at this point, uh, but there may be a business argument for it. Yeah, I think, you know, B, looking at her results now, last night, um, I I think she did lose. I think she lost in a match to the Cosmic Angels, a tag match to the Cosmic Angels, um, and then attacked attacked Utami in her match, which was the, the next match, if I read the results correctly. But really, I mean, B has beaten really a number of very strongly booked people in this promotion over the last few weeks. And we talked about on the last show or maybe the show before this, this idea of, you know, they're doing all these time limit draws, which are still happening. I think they had two this weekend. Um, And, you know, the case of, well, they're trying to build people for, they're trying to build people for the big shows and they don't want people losing all the time. So they're booking these time limit draws but it clearly shows here where B has a title match coming up and they have booked her very strong, beating a lot of very strong names. So it's possible for them to really turn, flip that switch when they need. And so that, that argument for, Oh, well, here's why they're doing time limit draws. 
also we've now gotten past the big Budokan show and the time limit draws have continued, um, which is another thing. But I just think when they want to book someone strong, when they need to book someone strong, they are more than capable of doing it. Um, in terms of the results, I think it would be a big mistake to have B win. Um, for me, no matter what happens with any of that New Japan stuff, I don't think relying on you know B Priestley to walk out, you know, if she still is involved, depending on her to walk out with the title and have people go, oh, you know, oh, uh, B Priestley has a title. I should check out Stardom. I think that that's sort of counting on fool's gold. You know, B has been there now for a number of months and there really is not or there hadn't been until today a lot of really talk about her involvement at all. You know, she usually would just come out um, with Will sort of by his side and that would really be the totality of it. So I don't know that her coming back with the title and saying, oh, now I'm the Red Belt champion really does all that much. I think Utami's still in the development part of her reign. So I think taking it off her would be a mistake. And I think putting it on B would also not be a wise decision. So I could see it happening. You know, anything's possible, but if it were me, I would keep it on Utami hundred percent. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We hype ourselves up thinking maybe I can pull a Ken Griffey Jr. rookie card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark until now. Introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view of all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now, when I buy Slab Packs at Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. I was able to open an Arena Club Slab Pack, and, and I'll be honest, it was a lot better than what you normally do. Say you go to a card show, and there's a random innocuous brown bag of cards and yeah you can open it and look it's going to be junk you're you you know what i mean like you know what you're probably going to get in those maybe you find that fun and sometimes i do sometimes i like just opening up cards and saying hey look at some random cards whatever but if you're really in this game to to find value and find particular cards it sucks to have to buy these mystery packs and it ends up being you know almost nothing you know nothing of value not with arena club you can display, again, of all available cards, hit rates, grading, so you know that when you're opening up the slab pack, you are going to get something valuable. You are getting something good. And Arena Club, in addition to having those great slab packs we just talked about, is also a marketplace for card collecting, buying, trading, selling, displaying, all that sort of stuff. But those Arena Club slab packs, man, they are revolutionizing the repack game with transparency. After your polls are revealed, they'll immediately be placed in your vault for safekeeping or trading and selling, and you can have them officially graded by Arena Club as well. So again, setting these things off, it's going to be officially graded by Arena Club. And the Arena Club grading process is accurate, fast, and transparent with full grade rationale provided and explanation of how your card was scored. So whether you're buying, selling, trading, or displaying, Arena Club is the card collecting platform that you have to check out. So right now, I've got a special offer here for Voices of Wrestling Network listeners. You can get 10% off of your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net. Again, that's arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net. Now, that's a crazy offer. That's 10% off a $400 slab pack. $40 off right there. 10% off your first purchase. No matter what that purchase is, 10% off. Off. Again, that's arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net. 
arenaclub.com slash VOW net for 10% off your first purchase on Arena Club. And we thank them for sponsoring the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. Oh, yeah, I, I completely agree. Um, but I've learned now it's a different regime, but I've learned with this company to uh, never doubt their interest in uh, in B Priestley winning matches you would not expect her to win. So and I'm not a huge B hater. Honestly, I think she's uh, pretty good and certainly much better than most people give her credit for in ring. But I do not think the world is crying out for uh, B Priestley title reign. I certainly think Utami is just starting to come into shape here. And so I would keep going with this and see if you can uh, make a really big star out of her and we'll see what happens. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think having her lose a title would cut the legs out from underneath her in terms of this, this reign. And I'm not sure where you would go with her as you're trying to sort of pump her into this, you know, another star for the top of the card. I think that that would really, take her out of that position and you would probably have to work her back up to that. If she's going to lose the title here. I agree. And B has beaten Utami when B was red belt champion before. So a uh, good time for Utami to beat her. I would say uh, next up is the, the white belt match. The, the wonder of stardom championship uh, Tom getting her, uh, her first defense against uh not yeah, this was interesting. I don't know that I'm really crazy about Natsupoi winning um, the high-speed title and then immediately challenging for a, a different title. It just is a weird thing to me. I know I'm in the minority on that. Um, I would have preferred to see her get at least a couple defenses, you know, really establish her. Um, with that belt, you know, before Budokan happened, she was really the huge loss post in stardom. She lost many, many times. You know, she wins the high speed, and now she pins Tom, and she's getting a white belt. It just seems very up and down to me. You know, she was sort of the loss post of DDM. Now she has a title. Now she wins one match, and she's challenging for another title. But again, it's like the Julia situation where – they're doing a lot of big shows and they need constant challengers for these big matches. You know, Tom needs a, a first opponent that will deliver a good match, which I know Natsupoy will, um, that she can beat easily um, and not really send that person spiraling back down the card, which is definitely Natsupoy. Um so I think it boils down to the same thing with Julia, where just the roster construction doesn't allow them for these perfect situations in terms of challengers, um, you know, monthly challengers for these big titles. Yes, I think that makes a lot of sense. But I think Natsupoy is a fine challenger. It doesn't bother me. Uh, it's a good little match and hopefully get Tom started off strongly on this on this run. So. Should be fun. And Natsupoy, I mean, she's kind of, she's not very consistent, but she's had some really great matches, uh, primarily with uh, Miyu Yamashita, but, you know, certainly capable of pulling out a really good match here. Yeah, I'm I'm not concerned about the match quality. I think it will be very good, um, you know, and it will be a good, you know, as I said, it's a solid person for Tom to beat convincingly that, you know, a win over them, 
will make Tom look good and won't affect Natsupoi too much. And Natsupoi will have that first, you know, I would think would have that first high speed win over Starlight Kid, which is happening a few days prior. So that will help her. All right. And then we have uh, the big, let's see, what, what did they say on the startup website? The full war illumination match. I love that. Uh, stars versus Oedo Tai, five versus five elimination match. The loser must switch factions. So I assume this is like the unit disband match they had when Jungle Assault Nation was disbanded. And basically, if you if you eliminate someone, then you get to leave the match and the other people remain. Oh, yes. You mean in terms of the rule, in terms of the rule set of yes. the match? Yeah. Yeah. So, well, I was having a conversation with some folks about like, oh, it's kind of weird for the last person in the match to lose. And it's like, well, in this case, it's that you haven't been able to score a fall or, or to eliminate someone in some way. So uh, it makes some sense, I think. It's a, it is like a strange uh, use of this, uh, or even of just like a normal match type. Uh, but I think it works. Yeah. And they did do it uh, a while back when Tom switched out of Oedo tie. I think that was the last time they had this stipulation in terms of switching, um, switching factions. So they have done it. Um, they have done it before. And two, I think I would I would say pretty good success with Tom switching out of Oedo ties. So hopefully they have um, you know, another success here. Yes. So I'm a little I'm not exactly sure who all's in this match, looking on the website of the card. So the stars team is Mayu Watani, Starlight Kid, Saya Ida, Hanan, and Gokigan Death. So I'm I'm all there on that. The Oedo Tai team is Natsuko Tora, Saki Kashima, Konami, and then I think Ruaka and Hina. You think that's right? Yes, well, definitely Ruaka. It's the question of who's the fifth, and I think it is Hina because they just came, Rina and Hina just came back. Yeah, okay. Well, I don't know. This can go a few ways, I guess. Uh, It'll be disappointing if it's like, Hanan loses, and, she, and so she goes over to Oedo Tai. But it's like, I mean, Mayu's not going to Oedo Tai, right? Well, uh, I was going to say, you know, the story uh-oh, has been uh-oh. all these stars, all these stars people. You know, I don't, I'm not going to argue that, you know, oh, it's definitely going to be Mayu. I think that would certainly be interesting. And as you say, a little bit more interesting than sort of swapping these lower you know, lower level people where it's sort of interesting, but you're like, okay, well, they're sort of, you know, pin eaters or things like that. And you're just sort of swapping them from one place to the other. You know, I think Maya would certainly be the most interesting um, switch. I would imagine if I had to bet, if I were putting money on it, it would be someone like Okigen Death um, switching to 08 Otai, someone um, of that stature. And I think that Gokigen Death would be sort of interesting in Oedo Tai. Um, I would hope it wouldn't be, you know, someone like Hannon, you're like, oh, could switch. But, you know, I would like to see some of these lower, um, 
you know, lower card wrestlers stay on the star side, get a chance to work that way. You know, we just had Ruaka uh, switch over to Oedo Tai. So to me, you know, I just hope it's someone who puts a little interest, especially in Oedo Tai, a unit that has gotten a little bit better in the recent weeks, but still in my mind struggles. They had a DQ um, loss last night at the show. So still sort of struggling with that perception that we've had. And I know a lot of people have had for a little while of this sort of team of, of cheaters that doesn't really care if they win. And the fans have sort of disconnected with them a little, especially compared to, you know, a way to tie it. It's height, um, which was very popular. So I'm just hoping for someone, which whoever switches to whatever side, I hope it's someone who can really give a lot of juice to whatever side, if they're going from stars to Oedo Tai or Oedo Tai to stars. It's just, it sucks because these are like the two, the two units right now that need more juice, I think. And so like swapping people out between these two really doesn't help um, that problem. Uh, And certainly like for Oedo Tai, they need, like a, a more of a leader, you know, who is uh, more interesting. And yeah, unless it's Mayu Watani, uh, they, they're not going to get it out of this out of this bunch. So, yeah, I don't know. I'm somewhat interested, but it just feels like this is not going to be satisfying, <laughs> however it ends. Yeah, unless they move. I, I mean, I guess they could try and move like Starlight Kid and see if they can, you know, sort of boost her up a little bit more. Currently, she doesn't scream to me, you know, switching to Oedo Tai and becoming the leader. But maybe you have some story where this is sort of the next step in her evolution where she switches to Oedo Tai and she becomes that leader somehow through whatever story you have or whatever character change. Um, But yeah, I think I agree with you that these are sort of the two uh, factions that need the most help. And one of them will be gaining help at the, you know, expense of the other um, so not ideal, um, uh, not, not, not really an ideal format for you would ideally want to strengthen both of them at the same time. And then we have, uh, in the, uh, Unagi Sayaka trial series, another match, an, uh, an um, extra, for, an extra match, uh, the, the eighth match of the seven match trial series. Uh, <laughs> Unagi Sayaka versus Sayakami Tani, who has also been booked very strongly of late. Yeah, and these and the trial series was, uh, you know, fairly successful. Um, so it makes sense to me that they're sort of adding this um, extra match here at the end, lower on this card. Uh, I would imagine to get Saya on the big show and reestablish her with a win on a big show after she lost the red belt title match at Budokan. Um, but I'm looking forward to this. I've actually really um, enjoyed, you know, over the last few shows, watching the stardom shows have really enjoyed the cosmic angel stuff. Um, I think it's fun. I think they're working hard, you know, trying to, trying to get better. Obviously they're not the top rung of the, of the stardom roster in terms of work um, rate, but I think that they're improving and they're a really fun team. Um, to watch. So I'm looking forward to this. Yeah, I might have to sign up for the old uh, iSoccer gimmick to watch this show. Because this is airing on live on Samurai, right? 
It is airing live on Samurai. So yes, you should be. Yes, we, I will certainly be doing that, um, watching it on Samurai. Yes. Okay. Uh, next up, you know, now the, the wrestler who just is in the second match of the big shows. Uh, Momo Watanabe versus Mina Shirakawa. By the way, it's Momo Watanabe's birthday today, Taylor. Should be a national holiday. A national holiday in Japan or in America? In America, of course. Okay, <laughs> great. <laughs> it should be a dual national holiday. It should be a worldwide holiday. Now, that's a great idea. I really like where you're thinking, uh, Taylor. Uh, I've, got my, I've got my Momo hoodie on today in celebration of her birthday. So happy birthday to Momo, who I'm sure is listening. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. And uh, Aaron, do you think that she will uh, celebrate her birthday with a big win at this big show? Uh, she fucking better. That's all I know. Uh, she needs a win coming off the loss to Nanai Takahashi. Um, yeah, she should win. Hopefully she, she does. Yeah, hopefully she does. Although I don't know, maybe they have you know Mina win coming back off the off the broken nose. Um, you know, and at this point, I think anything's possible with Momo Watanabe. Um, I have really no idea what they're what they're doing with her, especially post Budokan, where she had the sort of big match with Nanai, and now has you know question mark. I guess at this point, she could be the um, she could be the artist of stardom uh, title holder. But other than that, not too much happening with Momo. we got to get Momo to AEW IMO. I mean, that would be great. She's a great wrestler. That would be, that would be good for me. I'm, I'm pro more good wrestlers in AEW. Me too. Yeah. Certainly on the women's side. I would uh, love that. Also, I would just like to see uh, Hikaru Shida, her friend, Jaguars cheerleader, Keiko Honda, and Momo hanging out. I think that would be very wholesome content. And Ryu Mizunami now, who's who's there. That's right. What, what do you think's going on with Mizunami? You think she's just sticking around in America for a while? Yeah, I think she's, st- I, I think she's staying. I don't think she had, you know, I, th- I think the original plan was she was going to come before all the COVID stuff hit. And then obviously that all happened. So she figured she'd just hang around and, you know, do shows for seedling and stuff like that. But I think she's probably going to be there um, at least semi-permanently, if if not really permanently. So, you know, I would expect to see more of her. She was in that the post-match video of the Brit uh, Rosa match. So she is still there having lunch uh, with Sheeta. So, yeah, I expect to see her stick around. And I think she's a good, you know, piece for that division in terms of someone who doesn't need to be constantly challenging for a title, can lose to people, can beat people. So, I mean, I think a really good pickup for AEW to keep her around. And then the first match on the card is a, a three-way match, uh, and it involves Azumi uh, and Lady C. So an interesting uh, little little matchup here. Yeah, three-way, I think, designed to get Azumi uh, a win after losing the high-speed title at the last big show. So, uh, you know. Uh, a standard stardom opening match, getting someone who needs a win, a win in the first match. All right. So this, I mean, this looks like a pretty good show to me. Uh, I'm interested in it. Certainly going to watch it on, on Samurai. So yeah, not a, not a bad show they've put together. 
Yeah, nice show. It'll be interesting to see. You know, now we will have a direct uh, comparison for this show and their last Yokohama show to compare to see attendance-wise, to see if the crowds are, you know, growing or, you know, with Julie at the top of the card, just to see what's going on. But I think a fun show, uh, at you know, four good matches at the top, or at least four interesting matches I'm interested in. I'm interested to see the results, especially uh, that Oedo Tai Stars match and the tag title match in the main event. So I'm looking forward to it as well. All right. Well, what's what else is coming up over the next couple of weeks? So a lot of other stuff coming up. Seedling has a show on April 2nd, which will be celebrating Arisa Nakajima's birthday, which is April 6th. Uh, they just announced the main event of that show today. Uh, Risa Nakajima, Nagisa Nosaki, and Hanako Nakamori against Hiroya Matsumoto, Makoto, and Dash Chizako. So that should be a fun match. Uh, looking forward to that. Oz has a big Corican Hall show coming up. They've been building to this um, show for a while. Uh, the two big Matches, the two big title matches, Mayumi Ozaki going up against Sona Kokado, who won that tournament or that little, uh, the tag match that turned into the single match, the Magic 10. And then the tag title match will be Kakaru Sekiguchi and Kaho Kobayashi against Kaori Yonayama and the returning Yu. So Yu returning from injury, good to see her back and here in the title picture. Uh, Tokyo Joshi has an interesting uh, two weeks coming up, they have a show on the 27th, um, which will have no Maki Ito. Maki Ito held a little press conference when she returned from Japan. She is still in quarantine, so she will not be on that March 27th show. On April 1st, uh, Tokyo Joshi trying out a new format, Tokyo Joshi Inspiration, uh, which are going to be shorter shows uh, around one hour with only a handful of matches. This one has three matches, Mizuki versus Miyu Watanabe, Rika Tatsumi versus Raku, and in the main event, an interesting match, Akari Noah against Rina Yamashita in a hardcore match. Aaron, how do you feel about these? Um, this idea of these shorter shows with only a handful of matches? I know that you're a, you're a, you're a short show kind of guy. Yeah, I love it. Um, <laughs> uh, no show should be over two hours, and one hour is even better. Um, I mean, f- absolutely fascinated to see Hikari Noah versus uh, Rina Yamashita. Uh, Yamashita doesn't quite fit what I would normally think of as a Tokyo Joshi Pro wrestler, so uh, very fun. Yeah, and then Tokyo Joshi has a show on April 3rd, and on April 4th, they are doing a women-only show. So really, I really like seeing Tokyo Joshi trying these new things, trying new uh, show formats, trying to get women into their shows. I think that's an important thing to increase uh, jo- the Joshi fandom, which I think is something that we all hope for. You know, the more fans of Joshi there are, uh, the more Joshi uh, we get. So. It's a win-win for everyone. Uh, Ice Ribbon also has a Corican coming up on March 27th. A lot of big matches. Um, the Triangle Ribbon will be defended. Ram Kaichao against Uno Matsuya and Ibuki Hoshi. Uh, Risa Sara, Akane Fujita, and Miku Aiono against Cherry Tehonma and Thekla. That's a fun match. Suzu Suzuki. 
uh, will have her second match in her seven-match hardcore series that we were just talking about against Takashi Sasaki from Freedoms. Um, Hiroya Matsumoto and Kurumi Hiragi against Hamiko Hoshi and Mochi Miyagi. And finally, in the main event for the Ice Infinity title, Tsukasha Fujimoto against Maya Yukihi. That should be an excellent match. Uh, two of the best wrestlers, not only in Ice Ribbon, but in all of Joshi. Uh, Tsukasa Fujimoto already having a great year, um, a number of great matches highlighted by that uh, title win against Suzu Suzuki earlier in the year. So I'm really looking forward to that one. Uh, Diana will be doing a show on March 28th, which will be produced by Asuka. Um, Madeline versus Kikutaro. Kikutaro. Um, returning after his very uh, infamous run in stardom, in the stardom rumble. And then the main event, Asuka and Ayako Sato against Hagane Shino and Amy Miura, who works for Actress Girls, but has been doing a lot for Diana and has been doing very well. Uh, She was in that tag match uh, today against Luminous. That was a fun match. Another Corican, all these Corican's happening. Um, on April 4th, Actress Girls has a Corican. Miyuki Takase against Saki. That is for the Actress Girls title. Miyuki Takase, the current champion. And Tei Hanma and Maiko Ozaki against Mari and Hikaru Shimizu, also on that show. Uh, Marvelous has a show on March 30th. The big news, they are switching pay-per-view uh, providers, they are going to Zyko. Uh, Zyko did the Assemble pay-per-views, um, also has done some Sendai Girls uh, pay-per-views. Very easy to use for international customers. Uh, so I highly recommend checking that out. They've been running, obviously, the road to uh, the Gaia reunion show. They've been doing the Hibiki storyline So and are now on an easier platform for international viewers. So I highly recommend checking that show out. Uh, Chikayo Nagashima will be producing her own show for her 25th anniversary. Uh, A really fun-looking show, the main event. Kaoru, Chikayo, Megumi Yabushita, and Dash Jizako will go against Yuki Miyazaki, Hanako Nakamori, Asuka, and an X, a mystery X. Um, Another fun match, a four-way match, Mio Momono, Mei Hoshizuki, Mei Suruga, and Miyuki Takase. That one should be really fun. And Nagashima is going up against Chigusa Nagayo in a five-minute exhibition match. Um, They haven't said whether this show will be making air, but everyone keep your fingers crossed that it does uh, because it looks like a really fun matchup or or group of matchups, I should say. Uh, and then Wave on the 24th of March will be debuting um, their newest trainee, Shizuku Sukata, will go up against Yumi Oka in an exhibition match, five-minute exhibition match. But good to see Wave um, with a new trainee um, coming out as they continue to sort of rebuild that roster and that promotion. On April 1st, there is a a wave title match, Sakura Hirota against Soniko Kato. And on the third, they have a tag title match as Sakura Hirota and Yuki Miyazaki 
will challenge the champions Rin Katakura and Itsuki Aoki for the tag title. So very possible that uh, Hirota may end up as a double wave champion if she manages to retain the Regina de Wave a few days earlier. And Chaco Pro, uh, this coming weekend, the 27th and 28th, have their two-day Chaco Pro 100 celebration. They just announced uh, recently that that will feature Kaori Yoniyama against Yuna Mizumori for the Pure J title that Yoniyama just won. And Yoniyama, I believe, has announced that any singles match he has uh, moving forward will be for that title. So that will be uh, an interesting match on what should be a fun pair of shows, a big celebration uh, for Chaco Pro reaching show 100. All right. Well, I'm, I, I don't know why I do this, but I always like to look after you've done this of what we're going to be talking about on the next show. Um, but certainly, you know, stardom uh, will be a big one. Uh, and then, I mean, there's a bunch of Coroquins, so I guess it depends on what we can see by then out of Oz and Ice Ribbon and uh, everything else that's happening. So lots to talk about next time. Yes, it will be a chock full show. I'm hoping that Ice Ribbon uh, will make tape. Hopefully, uh, maybe it will be on their Kips Fun uh, streaming service again because that was a great that was a great service, but yes, we'll have plenty to talk about next show. All right. Well, we've also taken some listener questions. Uh, we've got a lot of them, but we'll see how many we can get through here. So first up from now, has Velkej ever told us if that's how uh, his name's actually pronounced? <laughs> I think that's no. what I always say. When, I guess I should ask it. Uh, I guess I should ask it um, at some point. Um, if I'm fucking that up, bud, just let me know, and I will stop doing that. Yeah, just add us. Um, add us on Twitter, yeah. at jbombaudio. Yeah, let us know how if we can pronounce your name better. Uh, who is the best seedling rookie, and why is it Riku Kaiju? I mean, I do think it is Riku Kaiju. I mean, there's only two There's only two options, uh, so that's not, I guess, a, a wild take. I think that she's been very good. Obviously, they... Uh, have gotten behind her, putting her in this uh, selfish strawberries storyline with Asuka and Makoto. I think that she has developed um, even a little bit um, in terms of skills in ring, has developed even a little bit faster than Hanori Hana, who I think has done very well, but still to me feels in ring wise um, occasionally still like, okay, you're, you know, a rookie you've had, you know, about a year considering the time off and everything like that. You've had about a year in the ring, so you're still young. But I think Rico has gotten uh, very good, you know, in in pr- pretty fast for me. So Rico would certainly be my vote. Yeah, I think that's uh, I think that's the reasonable take. Uh, and by the way, we took these some of these questions on Twitter. I think we also uh, Taylor, I think, posted it in the VOW Discord in the in the JBA channel. I'm not on that Discord. Yes, in the JBA and the Joshi channel. There's two. Uh, oh, okay. If you're not in there, you can go in there uh, into the VOW Discord and talk about Joshi in two different places. How exciting. Um, then we had from Ed Carden, thoughts on the wildly varying reception Maki Ito has gotten working in the U.S. Has she has she gotten a wildly varying reception? Well, I think she's gotten a wild, you know, varying reception in that many people like her and many people think that she's, you know, the end of wrestling um, as we know it. 
So I do think I it just, has I been... just mostly ignore those people. So it hasn't really reached me that much. <laughs> yeah, I just see them occasionally and I just sort of scroll by it. But I do know it is happening. Um, and, you know, my thoughts on it are, and this is sort of a more general thought that, you know, when you think about different, st- you know, you think about an American wrestling company, if they were to bring in, I don't know, someone from some... Japanese companies, Japanese men's company, I guess I would say, that isn't the best, you know, not a not an off the charts in ring worker. I guess I would think like I don't know, like Antonio Honda or something. Just just for an example, even though I do like Honda, that if people didn't like him, they would say, "Oh, this guy, you know, he's we don't like him," and it would sort of be this very siloed response but it feels like when people don't like one joshi wrestler the thought is oh well this proves to me that all of joshi wrestlers are not are this as if one single person represents the entirety of this style of wrestling which if you watch it you know it's very varied you think about all the different companies. I mean, Stardom and Tokyo Joshi and, you know, Oz Academy couldn't be really more different in terms of working style and wrestlers and things like that. So that's the thing that I sort of hook onto most because it just feels like you get one example of this. And I think anyone listening to this would probably agree that Maki Ito is not the, you know, she's not the end all be all of wrestlers in ring. And a lot of people like her and a lot of people have learned to like her over a period of time in Tokyo Joshi where you learn about her as a character and you have storylines where you can really get invested in her other than her being thrown out and going, okay, you have to go out there and have a four-star match or people are going to say, oh, well, why don't we you know, get more so-and-so on the show? who could have better matches. So, you know, that's the thing that sort of annoys me more broadly than just with Maki Ito. But I think part of that is now people see one match and they go, well, this better blow me away or I'm going to be totally out on this immediately. Yeah. I think you've, you've said it very well. There's also this like weird idea that, I don't, maybe there's people saying this, I don't know, but th- there was like this weird backlash to an apparent take that Baki is like excellent in ring or something, which I, I mean, I don't know of anybody who says that. I mean, she's great as like a total package as a performer, you know, which of course there's a lot more to wrestling than just, uh, you know, what you do um, as far as like wrestling moves between the bells. But, you know, so there was a backlash to that. But it's like, to me, if you if you watch Maki Ito and don't come away, you don't have to like her as a wrestler. You don't have to like her as a character. But if you don't come away with thinking like, oh, this person has something like this is somebody who can be uh, be a star, can be someone who's really over. Then the only options are that you are so lost as to not be worth listening to, or there's some blockage that you have based on some preconceived notion that you just cannot discard, which also puts you in the category of uh, not being worth listening to. But it's like, 
you have the ability to uh, to overcome that. <laughs> so uh, I hope that people who have come down on the side of uh, not being in on Maki Ito realize that they're wrong and uh, get rid of of whatever it is that that is causing them to think that way. Because there are plenty of wrestlers that I don't like, you know, that I don't enjoy watching, but that you just can't help but understand that they are good at what they do. Uh, and I, honestly, I thought AEW did a pretty good job um, contextualizing Maki Ito and like getting her character over to a new audience. I thought they did a good job with that. Uh, they obviously are into Maki Ito and think she's has something and uh, set it up, presumably, that they intend on using her more in the future. So uh, I thought she was presented well. I thought she did uh, did well in the matches that she had. And uh, I just think there's... I just think there's something wrong with you if you don't realize that there, that she has something that she uh, is a potential uh, very over wrestler in the United States. Yeah, and you know if you're expecting, oh well, every person who ever gets hyped is going to come in here and deliver the greatest matches I've ever seen. Most of the time, you're probably going to be disappointed because that's not the way, especially in such a short window of time. I mean, you're saying, I mean, even Maki Ito, who came over, you know, she got her match in the tournament. She was in the six-person tag. And then she had two matches in, no, she had three matches in AEW. So that's five matches. And the whole thing is like, well, now I've seen the whole thing. And it's like, well, you haven't really seen the whole thing. You've only seen five total matches of this person, you know, in a different scenario, she's not in the country, she's not in the company she usually works for, you know, that's tough to do in, you know, a number of matches. We think about the AEW roster. There's a number of people who I think are very good who haven't done that in many, you know, I think of someone like, like Miro, who I really like, I think he's really good, but I don't think he's really settled in and he's had many more matches than Maki Ito's had but I'm not sitting here writing him off going, well, this guy, he's never going to be any good. And I never want to see him again on my TV screen, you know? So it's tough. It's tough all around. Well, you're not an insane person also. So you got that going for you. Uh, Next up, uh, the Bebbler asks who should win the AAW title. Yeah. So this is a title that was the uh, Gaia title. Um, and with the Gaia reunion show coming back, it is being revived. Um, it will be a Sendai Girls versus Marvelous singles match. Um, Marvelous has said if their representative wins it, that they will defend it as a title. And Sendai Girls has said if they win it, they will put it in a case uh, for display in their dojo. So clearly everyone rooting for a Marvelous representative uh, to win the title. To me, I think really the two options are either Rin Katakura or Mio Momono, who I think are with Takumi Aroha out, who I think would be the obvious choice um, if she were healthy. I think those are really the two strong, marvelous choices on their side in terms of um, people who have made a connection with the audience. You know, Rin was in the AEW tournament as well. Uh, both very talented wrestlers that have connection with that audience and I think would be good representatives to hold that title. 
All right. And then we have uh, Tim Dog asking, if you could take any current wrestlers and put them in another era, who would you take? What time period? What promotion? And what matchups do you think would be interesting? For me, when I'm thinking about like eras and, uh, you know, moving people back into time, it only makes sense to me to send them back to a time when uh, Joshi was the hottest shit going. You know, like I want to see... I look at like my big stars, you know, I mean, if we're talking about, they have to be current Joshi wrestlers. So, you know, Mayu uh, and Julia, some of the biggest stars of of the current Joshi scene. Of course, you could also think about like uh, Nanai or Arisa, uh, but I want to take and put them in all Japan women. And I want to see them in front of big, huge crowds when everybody's going crazy. The, the level of matches is out of this world. Uh, how would they fare and just getting to see their star power uh, appreciated by like, you know, much bigger crowds than, than what we get today. Yeah. I mean, that's the sort of obvious that, that was the first thing I also thought of, you know, I thought of Oscar, you know, you sort of just think of the, the default is you think of who are the wrestlers you like. And as you said, you then say, well, when were there the biggest group of good wrestlers for them to face and so my thought was Asuka, again, in All Japan Women. I mean, Asuka, again, someone like Manami Toyota, you know, I think would be really great. I think they sort of, their styles would match. They're not exactly the same, but, you know, Toyota had that sort of daredevil, um, you know, who cares what happens to my body style that I think would go well with a lot of what Asuka does. I mean, I think someone like Yoshiko would be interesting in a, you know, sort of tougher promotion like Arceon would be sort of interesting mixing it up with, you know, that era of Aja Kong and, you know, the people that they had in that company, I think would be really fun. So, yeah, I I think it's sort of, it feels a little bit like a cop-out, but you're like, who are the wrestlers I really like and I think are really good and put them in an era where, you know, there are other good wrestlers who you haven't seen them wrestle against and see them face off. You know, I'd love to see Arisa uh, Nakajima go back to that All Japan era because I think she has sort of that style of, you know, tough working style. You hit me, I'm going to hit you back even harder and that sort of thing. So those would be my picks. All right, next up, would you rather watch a promotion with a working style you love, but booking that isn't the greatest? And this is also from Tim Dog, who says that would be stardom for him. Or a promotion that has a working style that you think is okay, uh, but has great booking. And again, for Tim, uh, that is how he views TJPW. What are your thoughts on that one? This is a tough one, because of course the answer is you'd love to see a working style you like with good booking. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's my combat answer. No, but it really doesn't, doesn't like... I'm not sure that exists in the current scene for me. Yeah. I don't know that there is a promotion that has put everything together and I think, okay, this is clicking on all, but that's a hard thing to do um, because it requires a lot of different things. But to answer Tim's question, my opinion always is I always value a match in which I am invested in a story over one in which there isn't a story maybe purposefully, or maybe it's not a greatly built story. Like I'm thinking of tournaments. 
like a lot of people really love tournaments like the G1. People go, oh, the G1, it's the best part of the year. I often really get burnt out by tournaments like that because a lot of there's a lot of very good matches, but really the booking is just, well, I'm largely is I'm just trying to win this match, which isn't a great story for me to hook into. So a lot of times at the end of the year, the matches I value most are the ones that include the story. Now, a lot of those include a story and are great in-ring, have great in-ring work. So I think that I would rather have a working style that I think is okay because I think great booking can elevate okay wrestling in a way that if you have booking that isn't the greatest or maybe it's bad booking, even if you work a great in-ring style, but the booking is bad, oftentimes that's a harder wall to jump over than, okay, the working style isn't great, but you're really invested in the story because you're more willing to sort of let things go because you're invested in what's happening in the ring. Oh, yeah. I mean, I don't think there's any any real – I mean, for me, obviously this is very subjective. So, yeah, I mean, that's basically – Exactly how I feel. Although you know, I was going to say this earlier, we were talking about Sendai Girls. I mean, I used to watch every Sendai Girls show that that made tape, just because it was guaranteed to have like a really excellent main event, even though the booking is almost always uh, nonsensical. Um, but generally, you know, if you are really tied into something and like really invested in it. Um, you're going to like the match better than the person who has no clue of the context. So, I I mean, wrestling is about the emotions that it makes you feel, whether those are like, you know, emotions make you cry or just like I was saying earlier, just like something goofy that happens in a match and it uh, makes you joyful. So uh, to me, it's like, yeah, as long as the booking is good and we get, uh, good stories I can sink my teeth into, then uh, the matches um, aren't as important. It's like a big problem with, you know, because obviously I do an AEW podcast. A big problem with AEW, I think, is that they will just throw, they will start a lot of shows with 20 minute matches that are cold. And it's like, I don't give a fuck about this. Like, I have no interest in this match. How do you expect me to pay attention to a 20 minute match that, with a commercial break, that, uh, has like no build to it that I like have no reason to care about it. So I'm always going to take the thing I can be invested in more. Uh, all right. What are your thoughts about the tag team scene in stardom? This is from Arameva again, pronunciation, not sure about. I mean, I think my thoughts about the tag team scene in stardom are largely my thoughts that I've said about the other sort of title scenes, which is that I think that this roster just, is not of the size right now for the number of shows they want to run with the number of big with the number of big shows that they do and they need these title matches you know i don't know that there's really like i don't think of the tag team scene in stardom and think of oh you know that great tag team x i i can't even name really it just sort of seems like well we have two people who they aren't really involved in a singles, you know, match right now. So put them together. They'll challenge or they'll win the, win the titles. There really aren't any 
all that established teams that you think of, oh, this is a, a I think of them as a tag team. Um, and I think part of that, again, comes down to the construction of the roster where they can't have, you know, these permanent tag teams because they need a lot of people in the single scene as well as in the tag scene. Yeah, and it feels like in this current scene they haven't – I mean, the tag titles are generally pretty lowly valued in stardom. It's like, well, you – I think like Micah and Himika is a great team to to build the division around and really to let – you know, spread their wings as a tag team because neither of them is going to be focused on in uh, as a singles very much right now. But they don't seem to have much interest in, in, really, uh, in really doing that. And, you know, it's hard to build several different – uh, divisions and, and stories at a time. So, you know, it's pretty much every promotion struggles with this, where there's like some division that they just don't really pay much attention to. Uh, and I think the tag division is one of those uh, for stardom. Yeah. It's just, as you said, the title isn't pushed, uh, you know, it's main eventing this four, four show, but it isn't pushed as, you know, an end all be all title. So I don't think that they, I don't think that that's their biggest, you know, emergency it's not like they need a bunch of teams tomorrow but it's just when you think of oh tag team scene and you often think of different promotions you know maybe a couple established teams jump to your mind where in stardom they they don't and i think Kimika and micah are a good um duo to have the titles um i don't know that they'll elevate the titles but they certainly are a, are a very good team uh they can face off against a number of different opponents so you know, I think it's good. I just think it's not where the focus is, and that's, you know, just where the company is. Who ha- who has the better dancing, Arisa and Nanai, or Honorihana and Riko Kaiju? This is from uh, the White Dragon herself, Rika Tatsumi, in the Discord. Although could mean I thought it meant Riko uh, Kawahata because they were oh, they yes. were teamed. But then I thought Sorry, that I would be yeah, that would be an obvious answer because I would never vote against someone. Um, from Actress Girls, and there was a, a GIF going around of Rico's arms flying all around as they were doing that dance before their match, which looked really wild and really cool. Uh, so I would vote for them. If it was um, Hanori and Rico Kaiju, I would I would probably uh, vote for Arisa Nanai in that case. But no, with Kawahata, I have to vote, of course, for the Actress Girls uh, wrestlers or wrestler. And that makes sense to me. Uh, speaking of the White Dragon, uh, Snack is God on Twitter asks, what do you think of Rika Tatsumi's title win? Why do you think they didn't put the title on Mizuki, who won the Princess Cup twice in a row? I would say that we covered this in depth on the show after uh, Rika won the title, but we can certainly give our, our uh, spark notes of our thoughts here. Yeah, I mean, you know, I thought it was an interesting title win. It certainly was surprising. I don't really, and this is not a critique, I don't really clearly see the Tokyo Joshi booking. Like, I don't look at it and go, oh, oh, of course, this is going very obviously from point A to point B to point C. Now, as I said, that isn't a critique. Um, It just isn't a promotion where I'm sitting here going, okay, they're going to build X person up to this level and that person, you know, like in stardom, where obviously the, the sort of future plan is, Julia gets built back up and probably eventually faces off against Utami or whoever's holding the red belt to get her to, you know, that's a sort of obvious 
future point to get to where I don't really see that many um, points in Tokyo Joshi. But, you know, I think the Tatsumi title win was good. I always like being surprised at a result. Um, and she had that match against Miyu Watanabe at the uh, Korokin, which was a lot of fun. So overall, um, you know, I think it's been good. I'm not too clear on the booking, but that's perfectly fine for me. I'm willing to, you know, go along for the ride. Yeah, I mean, I think Mizuki is going to be the champion eventually. It only makes sense. Um, yeah, didn't expect Tatsumi to win, of course, but I think she has exceeded expectations so far. Of kind of when she won, I was like, I'm not really sure how this is going to go, but I was very high on the uh, Miwatanabe match, and uh, I'm enjoying the rain so far. So we'll see where it goes, but I think Mizuki will get there. And, you know, uh, from our understanding of her popularity, I, it's not that she really needs the title. So it's an easy way to elevate other people instead. Uh, does Maki Ito have an actual chance of winning the belt? I assume they mean the Princess of Princess title now that she is an AEW, quote unquote, AEW superstar. Yeah, she is challenging um, for the title on their next Corkin, which is until the middle of April. Uh, so we haven't talked about that too much yet. I mean, as we said, the, the Rika Tatsumi title win was surprising. I could see Maki winning uh, to sort of capitalize on her momentum. Um, I'll be most interested to see, you know, as Tokyo Joshi starts promoting this match out to see if they can get any boost um, from AEW in terms of, you know, obviously not on Dynamite or anything like that. But in terms of social, just to say, hey, check out Maki Ito on Wrestle Universe. You know, it's obviously very easy to see these shows because they're on Wrestle Universe. But, you know, I certainly hope regardless of whether she wins the title or not, I I do hope that people who um, saw her in AEW and liked her are willing to give Tokyo Joshi a chance, you know, whether or not you know, her winning the title would keep them there or if they would see the show and get interested regardless of that. I don't know. Um, but I certainly think she has a chance. I think really any, we're at a point now with Tokyo Joshi where any title challenger, I think has some chance. I don't think um, Rika Tatsumi is built up as some, you know, undefeatable champion where she's going to be holding it for, you know, a year, you know, sort of in that Miyu um, frame where she was really beating a lot of people. So I certainly think it's a possibility. Um, yeah, to me, there's like, I think, and again, I may not be as keyed in on uh, Tokyo Joshi Pro booking as you as you said, Taylor, but uh, to me, there's like a much longer term story of Maki winning the title. I mean, she hasn't even overcome Miyu Yamashita yet. Um, she's, you know, lost to Aja Kong several times. I, I just think there's some there's some hurdles I'd like to see her get over uh, from a character perspective before she wins the title. So I certainly wouldn't do it yet, but yeah, I, I guess it's a possibility. All right. Do you think, I can't remember if we talked about this last episode. Do you think there's a problem of older wrestlers not putting young talent over enough in Joshi? I don't think this is a problem. You know, I think you look at the sort of quote unquote older wrestlers that are around, you know, we talked about Mako, and Sendai Girls, but I think that's a uniquely sort of Sendai Girls issue. And I don't think it's a solely, you know, Mako 
winning. There's been sort of a lot of booking things in that promotion that I look at and I go, well, I don't know if I would have done that stuff with the tag title, people winning the tag title, losing it, the next defense, things like that. You know, and I think of, you think of the other older wrestlers, Nanai Takahashi um, certainly wins, um, certainly wins a lot. She won at the, at um, the Budokan stardom show but a big story of seedling just a little while ago was the buildup of Arisa beating her in a hair, you know, a hair versus hair match. Um, that was a big moment of her losing. Now you could argue whether the loser of a hair versus hair match gets over more, but that was her building up a story to build someone, you know, quote unquote younger uh, than her, you know, seedling just had the show. Um, that we just talked about here, the Corkin show where younger talents did win, Hanori Hana picking up a big win. So I don't see it too much as a problem. I think there's always naturally going to be some of these quote unquote older wrestlers winning because a lot of times those are the people who are drawing in a lot of the fans for some of these promotions. You think about Oz Academy. I mean, you know, I think a lot of people are coming to see Ozaki, who's been around for a while and is you know, still somewhat of a draw for a lot of people. So I, I think that that issue is to me overblown. Yes. I think you uh, covered it. Well, I don't really have anything to add to that. Uh, The next two questions kind of go together. So I'm going to, I'll read them both. Uh, Travis Zick asks, who do you want to see work on a more global level? I list AEW UK in the Indies. First of all, I don't want to make anyone go to the UK. For sure. I don't wish that upon anyone. Uh, and then <laughs> Sam Roberts asked, with Yuka Sakazaki and Maki Ito seeing success in the West, who do you think the next crossover star could be? And I know what you're going to say, Taylor. Yeah, I don't think you do know what I'm going to say because I, I'm going to switch oh, it up. Wow. A, I'm going to switch it up a little bit. Wow, watch him switch it up, folks. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah, here I go. Ready? Uh, <laughs> Well, well, I'm going to uh, I will say I'm going to sort of disinclude, you know, the people that were in this AEW tournament because those were people who have sort of already been represented. But I think one I think that Ice Ribbon to me has really been um, globally sort of underrepresented um, for a while. You know, obviously they didn't, you know, for various reasons, they didn't have anyone in the AEW tournament. And I think they have a super talented roster that could really connect with, you know, whether it be, you know, the indies in the U.S. or AEW or something like that. They have a great combination of the sort of character work that I think a lot of people like and that draws a lot of people in when these people debut, along with some really good in-ring talent. I mean, Sukasa Fujimoto, um, you think of Suzu Suzuki, I think would connect really well. But even, um, you know, I'm thinking of like Micah Ozaki would be really good. I think like Ram Kaichow has that sort of interesting look that would draw you in. And I think she's a really fun personality. So I just think Ice Ribbon you know, I think there might be a larger talk to Ice Ribbon is having a very strong year, but they they don't seem to break out on that level of other things like stardom or Tokyo Joshi or things like that, where I would love to see some of those wrestlers get more opportunities worldwide than just, you know, these ice ribbon shows that they're doing very well on. 
Hmm. Well, you've made this tough if we're just knocking out anyone who was in the, the tournament. Well, you don't um, have to. That was just that was just my that was just my, you know, criteria. And I could say Oscar, but I've talked about Oscar on pretty much every show we've done for the last year. So I thought for sure you would say Oscar. Uh, I mean, uh, Minsky, I think, is one who certainly could be uh, popular on a global scale. And for the record, I was saying I don't wish that anyone has to go wrestle in the UK. I think the UK wrestling scene is um, is uh, cursed. Um, but Mizuki uh, Takami Aroha. I mean, I know she's out right now, but I mean, she, to me, she has like super big star energy. She has the big star look. Uh, I could certainly imagine uh, her being popular uh, internationally. Hmm. Who else? I mean, I will say while you think, I do think it's crazy that um, AEW, I mean, maybe they have, but that AEW hasn't brought over uh, Miu Yamashita yet because I think that she's someone who would get over immediately. Now, maybe that's in the works or maybe they've asked and they haven't been able to get her over. But I just think, thinking of it in my head, it would be very easy to bring her over and really get people behind her with her in-ring with her in-ring style, which I think would draw a lot of people in. I think they're more interested in like when it comes to bringing over uh, Japanese women, I think they're more interested in personalities and I'm not sure that Yamashita would jump off the screen to them as they're like looking for people to bring over. Yeah. Yeah. I could see that, but you know, I think that she, I think she would be really a no brainer and it's something that a lot of people have talked about, even from the very beginning when, you know, Shoko Nakajima was coming over, people were like, they should be bringing in Mayu, bring in Mayu. Um, So that would, that would be another one of mine. All right. Well, we're running a little long, so I'm going to try to uh, just hit a couple more of these. Um, if you were making a five, this is from Sam Roberts also, if you were making a five-person Joshi stable using five talents from five different promotions, what's your dream lineup? And if you got time, give them a name. I'm not clever enough to come up with a name. Yeah, um, I'm not either. I don't even have five yet, but I'm going to do it ready on the fly. Well, I've got I've got five, so I'll, just, okay, good. I'll start. Great, you, can, great. you can think about it. Um, I mean, there's a couple of different ways you could go, but I want a bunch of ass kickers, okay? So I try to think of the people that kick the most ass, but are in uh, different promotions. Obviously, everybody knows I'm picking Momo Watanabe to be in my stable because I love her um, and she's excellent. Uh, I would team her up with uh, Yoshiko from Seedling, uh, Suzu Suzuki from Ice Ribbon, Dash Chisako from Sendai Girls, and Nagisa Nozaki from Wave. So I got five promotions. And I think all these people um, will beat the shit out of you in the ring, which is what I really value in pro wrestlers. Well, I think we're going to be very close in terms of uh, the type, but mine would be, uh, here we go, Jungle Kiona from Stardom, uh, Arisa Nakajima from Seedling, Asuka, who's freelance, Sukasa Fujimoto from Ice Ribbon, and I'm going to do a little, I'm going to do a little cheat here. And I'm going to say Maya Yukihi from Oz Academy, the Oz Oz Academy version of uh, Maya Yukihi. But I think very, very sort of close to yours, uh, sort of take no, take no prisoner style, uh, great in-ring workers, Uh, probably five of my favorite 
in all of the Joshi scene. Yeah, I probably overlooked the like, uh, dr- I mean, I didn't go straight like dream my favorites as you did, which is uh, probably more in line with the question. And I gave it more of a of a theme, but uh, that's what I wanted to do. So that's what I did. Um, and I'm going to close it out with this one, I think. Since Bushiroad acquired Stardom, do you think they've developed as they may have been expected to or maintain as they are? This can be in terms of in-ring, creating new talent, having a different visual presentation or garnering more international viewership. Uh, and my first thing would be that as much as uh, I hear Kadani talk about international viewership, they haven't done a single thing to try to get more international viewership. In fact, I think they've gone backwards on that question in that it's much harder to, uh, you can't, it's harder to buy their stuff. You know, there's not an international store anymore. You can do the buy which is a little, could be difficult for some people, I think. Uh, but I think they've done much less outreach to international fans. <clears throat> but as far as like, I mean, overall, I think the in-ring is probably worse uh, than it was, but I think some of that uh, was out of their hands. Uh, we've talked a ton about creating new talent. I don't think they've uh, done uh, as good of a job as they had done before. Uh, the presentation I do think has stepped up. So I think it's a mixed bag. Uh, it does seem like they are doing, they're trying harder to um, to reach out to a wider Japanese audience, which I think is important. Uh, but and obviously COVID has been a huge challenge in this. So it's really hard to measure. But I do go back and think about, well, they had those huge Korokuns right after Bushiro took over. Uh, so I feel pretty confident that when all this is over and they can have uh, big shows again, that we'll see some pretty, um, some growth that that is consistent, that builds upon itself. But I do think it's been a mixed bag overall. Yeah, I think there will always be sort of a giant asterisk um, next to the first year or so of this because of all the COVID stuff and all the things that happened, you know, during that time where they were away, things that were sort of out of their hands. Um, I mean, I do think one thing that they have done is, I mean, the, the sort of word is developed and I think that they have presented themselves um, as a bigger company whether the in-ring stuff or whether the roster matches that, I don't know, but they certainly have, you know, between booking Budokan, between doing these more frequent big shows, you know, the Yokohama show coming up, the couple of shows that they did last year, they have certainly presented themselves front-facing as a bigger company than they were when they, their sort of big things were, well, we're running Corican. Um, more frequently than a lot of Joshi companies. So in that way, I think that they have developed a quote-unquote stronger brand. And I think the sort of outside of the world of Joshi, people are more aware of what they're doing than they were before. But as we've talked about many times on the show, I don't know if the whole package has come together for them in terms of developing more talent, developing you know, more international viewership and things like that, but they certainly have presented it on its face as a bigger company. All right. Well, I think that's uh, good. I think we've uh, covered most of the questions. Sorry if we didn't uh, answer all your questions. Uh, I'm sure we'll do this again in the coming months. Uh, So, you know, reach out to us again. Is there anything else uh, that you want to talk about before we go there? 
No, I think we covered it all. Yes. The famous catchphrase of Taylor's. The famous, yes. <laughs> uh, he said the thing. All right, catch us on Twitter at JBomb Audio. I'm at Aaron Like the Car. Taylor's at Tay Mambo. Make sure you subscribe to the show. Give us a five star rating and a review uh, if you use the Apple Podcast app. If you'd like to donate to the show, head over to breadcircle.com slash shows slash jumping dash bomb dash audio. Uh, but uh, that's it for this week or for this two weeks, as we usually do. Uh, but we'll see you next time. Bye bye. <laughs>